Hello, my friends. How you doing? In this spot, the cold open, I guess you'd call it, of the podcast, I usually do an ad spot or talk about one-on-one coaching. And yeah, I still do that. Still doing that. But born out of that, my coaching partner, Scott Weingart, and I have found that there are common challenges that our clients either come to us for, kind of the reason, the main stressor, or pop up during the coaching engagement. And over the past year, we have been creating a course that addresses many of those issues. The course is called Flame Proof. The Flame Proof course, which has three primary focuses, anti-burnout, career longevity, and self-mastery. It's strategies to change drudgery and overwhelm the freaking awesomeness at work and you know, experience joy while you're at it. That's what it's all about. The Flame Proof course is specifically created for you and the unique challenges faced by the modern clinician. For the course itself, for cohort one, we have not yet opened registration for the full course, but we are launching it with a pre-conference, a pre-con half-day workshop on May 29th this year at Essentials of Emergency Medicine. The focus of this pre-con will be shift, kick, assery. In fact, that's what it's called. Hopefully they let us put that on their website. We'll see. See how it plays out. We're specifically going to focus on new strategies for experiencing flow and joy during an emergency department shift, tools to navigate difficult conversations, identifying actionable work stressors and steps to mitigate that stress, and specific exercises to transition from work brain to home brain. We have intentionally limited space for this half-day workshop to make it interactive rather than just us giving a lecture. Scott and I will bring the tools and you bring the spice. Spicy. This is May 29th, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Cosmopolitan Hotel in Las Vegas. CME credit is available, meaning CME funds are usable. And this is the day before the main conference begins. You can sign up for all of that on the Essentials of EM website. That's essentialsofem.com. Now on to the show. All right, to the topic at hand. What I'm going to go over today focuses on work, but it could just as easily apply to the rest of your life. And that is the Spock Retreat. Now, you may have seen the title of this podcast on your podcatcher or the website and thought, oh, it's, uh, it's going to be a retreat where we talk about Spock for three days. No, <laughs> it's not that. In its simplest terms, the Spock retreat is using logic to solve an emotional situation. Now, as clinicians, we learn early on to be critical thinkers, to be scientists and practice evidence-based medicine. I mean, really, using evidence-based medicine and eschewing that which is not evidence-based, that's one thing that separates you from a charlatan. And to further this, we learn to spar, to joust with our colleagues using the data and the logic as kind of as weapons of debate. Now, what happens when that perspective meets a patient who is upset that you are not giving them what they're asking for, or who is asking for something that just does not compute as logical, consistent with the best practice, or contrary to the ideal of do no harm? They are being illogical. And then they keep pushing to get what it is they think they want. And it can be frustrating to you to no end because they are, at least from our perspective, incorrect 
in their assumption or belief. In our last episode on the curious case of azithromycin and viral respiratory infections, talked a little bit about this. You know, the patient not only asking for antibiotics for viral URI or sinusitis that began two days ago, but demanding it, demanding it because that treatment is what has worked for them in the past or seemingly worked for them when a cough or something has come to the fore. You know, I need my Z-Pack. My doctor always gives me one when I have a cold or sinus infection and I always get better. Sometimes, in fact, it takes two Z-Packs in a row for me to get better. So just give me one and I'll be on my way. So what do you tell them? Probably something like, well, you have a cold. Antibiotics won't make it better. In fact, all they do is harm. You lay out the logic. And what did they just hear? Their ears, yeah, they, it picked up the noises you were making with your mouth and your vocal cords, but oftentimes all they heard was no. Or more like what, what they probably heard was this, no. No, 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 no. The immediate response of being told no for many is not, you know, it's like, oh, I, I have just received a no. I will have a discerning analysis of why I was told no. No, you feel affronted, angry, invalidated, Reason has just crashed against the wall of emotion. Logic has met the limbic system. And how does that usually go? (laughs) It doesn't usually go well. Granted, some patients will, in fact, respond to a logical answer. I mean, oh, God, when that happens, it's like drinking a glass of cold water on a hot summer day. Let me play that out for you. Well, all signs point to this being a viral infection and antibiotics have not been shown to help get you better. In fact, they've shown to only do harm. Blah, 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 blah. You're being logical. You are in fact correct. Now, if things ended right there, great. And personally, I mean, it's like a sigh of relief. Oh, patient says, oh, I didn't know that. Thanks so much for telling me. But that's not the norm, or at least it doesn't feel like the norm. The norm is to have pushback or even irritation. Imagine the thought bubble, at least your perceived thought bubble over the patient's head. Is he going to give me my Z-Pack or not? Uh, Or is he going to get me that MRI or not? Is he going to do... X or give me X or, or not. And then a little, just say yes, and let's be done with this, please. Oftentimes, what happens here is that we get some pushback or, you know, there's like a little bit of friction and we more fully embrace the Spock retreat. When logic doesn't work, we double down with more logic, more explanation as to why we are right and they are wrong and they just don't know the facts. There's a great quote that I just changed my thinking or kind of shifted my thinking on this. And actually, it it was kind of freeing when I read it. It was by Nicholas Taleb's from the book Black Swan. It just applies so perfectly to this situation. It goes like this. When you develop your opinions on the basis of weak evidence, you will have difficulty interpreting subsequent information that contradicts these opinions, even if this new information is obviously more accurate. You could think of that also as the age-old tension between belief and empirical evidence. This tension is part of the picture when you are in one of these situations we're talking about in this pod episode. And we're just talking about antibiotics now and, you know, in the acute care setting. But it could just as easily be someone who comes in insisting that they need surgery and you think, well, yeah, your surgery is not going to help you. It's only going to harm you. No, I need surgery for this. It's the exact same thing. And then on top of that is the whole specter of patient satisfaction. And can I just say, let me, can I go on a tangent about this for a second? I have talked about it on the show before, but I'm going to do it anyway. 
The pseudo-intellectualization of regulatory agencies and even the C-suites of many hospitals when it comes to patient satisfaction is just asinine because it has taken this as a binary variable. Either people are satisfied or they're not. Either you did a good job or you didn't. The reality of this situation is profoundly complex. The evidence suggests, oh my gosh, here I go, I'm spocking it up. You know what? I don't care. I'm embracing my inner spock. The evidence suggests that those with increased emergency department visits, underlying mental health issues, lower socioeconomic status, have overall lower satisfaction scores. Now, is that because how they're treated? Is that because of underlying beliefs that they have? Is it because of implicit bias towards them in the healthcare system? Yeah, it could be a combination of all these things. But what that gets to, actually, this is really well phrased in a seminal article that came out a couple years in the Journal of Patient Experience. Looking at this, it said, quote, patient satisfaction is a complex metric that can be affected by more than provider performance. But how is it interpreted as provider performance? All right, I mean, I'm just going to turn down the dial on that, get back to the topic at hand. Thank you for allowing me that short tangent. Back to patient satisfaction scores themselves, not to be discounted in the situations we're discussing in this pod, because I mean, you don't want to complain, you don't want, you know, you come back and you get your scores and like, oh my gosh, why am I in the toilet all of a sudden? When you feel like the right thing to do is telling a patient no. And these scores are usually used as a stick rather than a carrot. And it's the rarity when someone has low scores, the group or the hospital, or the system says, hey, let's help you get those up. It's more like if you don't get those up, you're not going to like what happens next. So figure it out. And when the study came out a while ago showing that patients who had higher satisfaction scores actually had worse outcomes, that was probably no surprise to you. Extra care rarely equates to better care, but it is often in how you deliver the no or the information. And I also want to acknowledge that you just can't please all the people all the time. There's a consistent minority who are just going to be pissed off regardless of what you say or what you do, if you don't give them what they want, or if you don't give them what they think they want. It's the cost of doing business. And also in healthcare, we're natural pleasers. It's a common personality type. It's kind of what got a lot of us into it. So when we're in a situation where a patient is displeased, it just doesn't feel good. So there's, there's all these external pressures and internal pressures that kind of push us into thinking or feeling like, you know, just acquiesce to whatever demand is presented to us, regardless of how illogical or inappropriate it may be. Now let's loop back to our inner Spock's pure logic. Much of the time, Spock works really well in decision-making. Think about the decisions you make in critical situations, in the resuscitation bay if you work there, or sitting in front of your computer interpreting data or generating a differential diagnosis. In fact, there's a great many times and places in a workday of a clinician where your Spock self is the persona to tap into. But the same mindset can easily come to the forefront in patient interactions where we are giving the answer, no. When you say no, now this might be a little hyperbolic, but I think there's some truth to it. When you say no, well, just think about when you're told no. There is a part of that where that kind of speaks to our inner toddler. <laughs> there's like a, like a very, maybe could be muted inner tantrum. And let's also acknowledge just from your perspective, these conversations have the potential to be energy drains. Patients got no idea the strain that they're putting on you, you know, like that you've had this conversation 20 times already in the day. Oh, again, again. Now, if we're going to take the Spock retreat metaphor one step further, we need to bring in his foil, Dr. Leonard McCoy, aka 
bones. Spock is the science officer on the ship. He's a Vulcan. Vulcans just value logic. And you know that's it. No emotion, logic. Bones, Leonard McCoy, ship's doctor in the Starship Enterprise, where Spock is pure logic, Bones understands emotion. Take a listen for yourself. Here's some interactions between Bones and Spock. Doctor, if I were able to show emotion, your new infatuation with that term would begin to annoy me. What term? Logic. Medical men are trained in logic, Mr. Spock. Really, doctor? I had no idea they were trained. Watching you, I assumed it was trial and error. Are they enemies, Captain? I'm not sure they're sure. I need your advice. Then I need a drink. I do not understand your reasoning. You need advice from me? You must be kidding. I do not joke, Doctor. These guys are both brilliant. Well, I mean, obviously they're actors portraying characters, but (laughs) they're brilliant. Just like you are brilliant. And both of these brilliant aspects live within you. You know, I mean, we've each got our inner Bones McCoy, who understands the needs of the patient in a heartfelt well, is compassionate, and our inner Spock's logical. And something to be aware of is that the inner Bones McCoy, that compassionate, understanding, more patient aspect of yourself, much harder to tap into when you're tired and depleted at the end of the day compared to the beginning of the day. Your patient's reserves are low. Know that. Prepare for that. What can help in situations like these that happen repeatedly and are repeatedly frustrating is to have a script that addresses this moment in the way it needs to be addressed. And one of the beautiful things here is that this type of scripting is a perfect place to experiment. Make prototypes, test it, iterate, find out what works for you, find out what doesn't. If you lament that you have this conversation 10 times a day and it's always a chore, well, hey, there's, there's something wrong with that picture. You might see 10 chest pain patients in a day and you probably don't approach them in a way that's you're making it up bespoke each time. No, you have a structure, you have a framework. Sometimes you use decision tools. Same thing here. Start trying different versions of this conversation. Find out what works for you. Don't build it anew every encounter in perpetuity. Oftentimes these situations or you know, when, you, when you withdraw into the Spock retreat comes up unexpectedly. Say someone presents with an upper respiratory infection, you say, yeah, it looks like you got a virus, don't see a sign of any bacterial infection, so I recommend symptomatic relief, fluid, decongestant, test of time, and then it comes. You know, when this happens, I take a Z-pack, and I get better. I'd like a Z-pack. So, first decision point for you is whether or not you're going to say yes or no. You can say, all right, eh, let's just give you that antibiotic and see how you do. Done, done, done. No muss, no fuss, not great medicine, but certainly easier on you than time and energy. It is decidedly the expedient thing to do, and you are super busy, and you don't want to deal with the hassle, you don't want to deal with the mishigas. If the answer, however, is going to be no, how can we give that no in a positive or thoughtful way? And you might be thinking, what is this balderdash? How can I fight through this person's underlying entitlement when they just see me as an ATM for what it is they think they want or need? Well. I'm glad you asked. Why are these situations fraught? Because both sides care. Both sides are invested. So here we are in this situation, which is frustrating, which is illogical. So let's walk through what to do. Step one, notice when you go into the Spock retreat. It's not necessarily a bad thing that you retreat into evidence or logic or that you speak logically. It's not like you're retreating to some safe space where you cower in a corner. 
you're retreating to your stronghold. But we can also use it as a defensive posture. Let's be honest. We can say, you know what? You just kind of the bluster of your bravado of the evidence or the logic and here, kiss my doctor ring. The Spock retreat can be like an inner version of a Spartan battle phalanx ready for action. You know, you retreat. Hoo-ah! That's why I get paid the big bucks. You know, I mean, you, you know the stuff. But here you are engaging with a human being who's approaching this from what they likely think is logical, but is actually emotional. And the only way to effectively meet emotion is with empathy and compassion. Step one, awareness of the Spock retreat impulse. Step two, take a beat, take a breath. Then see if you can speak as your inner bones McCoy sprinkled with Spock. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that you become emotional or histrionic or anything like that, but are discerning in your compassion. So stay focused on your goals to prevent becoming overly emotional. What's the goal here? Let's say in this situation, you've got five goals. To make an accurate diagnosis and rule out a life threat, there's one. To convey that and the treatment plan to the patient, okay? So there's this kind of medicine 101 to understand and validate their concerns. Aha. Uh-huh. To not get a patient complaint, although that is not fully in your control, but it deserves mention. And to not prescribe an antibiotic, right? So one of your goals is to not do this thing. What do we want to avoid? Escalation. So respect them and their interests. Don't dismiss or invalidate. I mean, you know what? If you hadn't done all your training, you would probably have the same belief they do. I know that's the case for a lot of my relatives. Just saying. People are a lot more likely to behave aggressively in a conversation if they don't feel heard or they don't feel safe. Let me present one framework for what to say. There are many frameworks to go about this, but here's just one, one idea. It is yes, no, yes. I'm going to break that down in more detail. And that yes, no, yes structure comes from the Harvard program on negotiation. This is not going to be in the notes on your podcatcher because it's just too long, but I'll put all of this in the show notes for this episode on the website so that you can reference it. First, understand why you are saying no. What really matters to you? This is actually what you're saying yes to. In this case, it's to avoid harm and also satisfy yourself that you're doing the right thing because that's part of it too. You got to satisfy yourself that, you know, you got to kind of be authentic to you. Or maybe it's, you know what, I'm saying yes to embracing the Hippocratic Oath and practicing medicine in accordance with those values. This, what you are saying yes to, sets the foundation of your purpose. But even though you've got this beautifully reframed as a yes, they're still going to hear it as a no. So there needs to be another option and not a sleight of hand option where you're trying to fake them out like people used to do with tramadol all those years ago when somebody came in asking for oxycodone. Not that. The other option is your plan B, and plan B is not a compromise you'll be uncomfortable with. This is a real plan. Validate their concern and the history of what's happened. The best way is just actually listen to them. And when you speak, come from a place of respect. So here's two options. Nope, not going to happen, not going to do it. Versus, hey, I'm glad you shared that with me. This is a common experience for many of my patients. You know, they feel better after they start antibiotics when they have a cold or some sinusitis. What I see happen is that those who do and don't take the antibiotics end up having the same duration of illness. And those who get antibiotics get a whole lot more diarrhea. 
Now, that may not have happened to you yet, but it's the real deal and definitely worries me. To be clear, what you're saying no to is the issue, not the person. This is a mindset shift from judgment to discernment. It's much easier to say no to a question than a person. So you want to avoid you statements in favor of the statements. Example, you are incorrect in thinking that an antibiotic will fix you versus the idea that antibiotics effectively treat this kind of infection is common. And to the best of our knowledge, it's just not the case. And set the boundary, what you are and aren't willing to do. This is important in life and medicine because what you say no to is part of what defines who you are. And akin to having a plan B, you want to propose a viable alternative. Now, this is hard when the patient might be thinking, or we might think the patient might be thinking, are they going to give me this thing or not? And expect resistance. You're going to probably get some pushback, so stay firm to your boundaries, but guide the patient to acceptance of the situation with kindness and compassion. You know what? Put yourself in their shoes. Yes, no, yes. The internal yes, let's break that down a little bit more. The internal yes, I want to embody, do no harm, and practice evidence-based medicine. The external yes, hey, good news, doesn't look like a bacterial infection or anything serious right now. Then the no, you've told me that you've gotten better in the past when you've taken a ZPAC validation, you're listening. This is a common experience for many patients, social proof, feeling better, after starting antibiotics when they have a cold or recent sinusitis. It's no fun having a cold. I know that I hate it. Compassion. What I've found works well for this situation is plan X. And this is what I recommend to my own family members. Social proof, compassion, empathy. Then maybe some pushback. So you aren't going to write me for the antibiotics? Perhaps response, oh my gosh, I hear you. And I know this can be frustrating. Empathy and compassion. It's a common question that I get every day. I get this question many times a day. Social proof. And to the best of our knowledge, antibiotics do more harm than good with what you've got going on. Now, what you've heard is just my take on all of this. You may have a very different experience or very different opinion. Love to hear from you. You can just reach out to me through the website, roborman.com. And that is going to wrap it up for today. In the show notes for this episode is a link to the Essentials of EM site where you can sign up for our flame-proofed shift kick-assery pre-con May 29th, 2023, Las Vegas, the Nevada. And until the next time, my friends, be well and keep on rocking.